Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen. Joined today by good friends, Mason, YB, Brock, all with us. Brad, I, I don't know what's up with Brad. Brad's got some stuff going on in his personal life. It seems as though there, there may have been a drug bust of some sort. And uh, he's he's a bit he's a bit on the lamb right now. Wouldn't wouldn't you say that would be accurate, YB? From what we've heard from him, he he says his living situation has changed. I took that to mean that finally whatever Canadian law, I guess the Mounties uh, came up and and raided raided the old uh, the old Fed cave. Yeah, well, I mean, living situation can be inferred to mean like like usually it's can it's referred to mean where you're live where you're residing, but you know. You can change the definition to say at literal living situation. So take that high book. Brock, are you ready for the holidays? I'm ready. Um, I'm ready for uh, a nice break from, you know, and the and you know, my team got me started. Uh, they gave me an early Christmas present, you know, by winning a game. A so nice, that was nice of them. Nine to the seven board. win. Yeah, nice. A nice. Uh, we're not going to be one in, or they're not going to be one in seventeen. So that that's good. I can take that uh, as a success. Um, I I'm not looking for more wins, but uh, beggars can't be choosers. Oh, paper bags, I assume. Actually, you know what? Um, and they even uh, just some, sorry, Eric. Small dovetail. So the Panthers beat the Falcons, right? And it was. Like it was, it was the kind of rain that you only get in the winter where it's just, it's not like pouring. It's not like, it's not like pouring hard, but it's like, doesn't stop. It's incessant. It's like, it's like rainforest rain where it just doesn't stop and it's coming down. And there were fans and it was in Charlotte. There were fans there in, you know, ponchos and whatever. I didn't see any paper bags. They're like, like legit fans just there cheering the pan, the, the one in, you know, the one in uh, whatever they are, Panthers on it. Hats off to them, man. They, that's that's dedication. They were out there in the elements. And a lot of the, the players afterwards, when they, you know, had the post-game interviews, a lot of them mentioned, hey, you know, fans that are here with us today, you know, we appreciate it. So, you know, hats off to those fans. I don't know if I would have done it, but, you know, kudos to them. It's a better, well, it's a better have, situation um, than like the Chargers or the Raiders. Yeah, that's fair. All of you have children, I assume. That is, that is an accurate assumption. Yes. Yep. Um, none of them, I assume, listen to this podcast. Uh, so I want you to tell me. Not yet. What's yeah. the <laughs> biggest? What's what's gonna be the killer this year? What's your closer? What's your Christmas present? Oh, it's just gonna bring down the house. But they're just gonna be like, yeah, like oh, they're balling. I, I'm balling my I actually have a freaking story about this crap. So All right, let's get it. So my kid's birthday is about a month ago. <clears throat> he got a bunch of stuff. He got some gift cards and whatever, and we just haven't really gotten around to spending them. But the one big ticket item that he wanted this year that he's been asking for, he asked Santa for, he asked everybody he could think of for a microscope. He wanted a microscope. Mm. Like, perfect. I'll find your microscope. This will be great. So about a week ago, didn't really have anything to do. And I was like, hey, you got this Barnes Noble gift card still, man. Like, let's go find you a book or two. They got like a game. Section. Oh, no. Game. I know what happened. <laughs> we, we walk right into that game section. And the first thing he freaked I could get myself a microscope. And I'm like, <laughs> you said, you, you, said <laughs> you wanted Santa 
to get you a microscope. <laughs> and uh, he looks at me and he replies, uh, well, Santa will know that I got this and he'll know to get me something. <laughs> I mean, he's not he wrong. Was, he was very accurate. <laughs> he's not wrong. <laughs> so now it's a rock tumbler. <laughs> well, you win some, you lose some. Yep. What about you, YB? Uh, I reserved the I reserved the right to uh, say nothing about it. Oh, okay. Sounds good. I I just wondered if you wanted to brag about a Christmas present you were about to give. Eric, by any chance, are you uh, are you trying to scrape ideas from us for, for your <laughs> Christmas present giving? No, no, <laughs> no. But okay, uh, all right. Well, that's that's fine. Brock, any 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 big ticket items for you? Um, my clothes. So I have uh, I have four children. Um, my my closer is a bounce house. Oh, what? Oh, like a real bounce house? Yeah, uh, I just thought to myself because you know I had I have a lot of siblings. Um, we you know we always rough house growing up. What was the thing that we would have just gone nuts for if I was my children's age? And I was like. Psh. If we had a bounce house to throw each other around in, oh my god! So that—that's what we're doing. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait to see the look on their faces. I'm gonna blow it up, like you know, out of their view, and uh, well, I can't wait. That's that. That seems like like a good gift. YB, is there anything you would particularly like for Christmas? If you're not willing to share with us <laughs> what you're getting others. What what would I like for Christmas? Well, I mean, ideally a day off from fam or from paternal responsibilities, but obviously that's not going to be on Christmas. So <laughs> that's a birthday gift, if anything. Uh, didn't quite get that for birth my birthday this year either. But hey, <sighs> I mean, such is life. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. I just wanted to check in with the the parents of the world and get a gauge on what the youngsters in this world are getting for Christmas these days. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's good. I, I got my my dad a custom avalanche jersey, a custom Colorado avalanche mm. jersey. So yeah, it's nice. That that that's my uh, that was my big gift this year. Oh, that'll kill. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully that goes well. Um, all right. Let's get to it. I figured this week we're just going to run through the games that matter because there are a lot of them. Um, starting Thursday night, Saints-Rams, huge game, huge playoff implications for the Saints for trying to stay with the lead in the division. The Rams, they're trying to keep winning these games so they can sneak in in what all of a sudden is now a very competitive bottom of the NFC. They're kind of in the same uh, general race as I need to pull up the NFL standings really quick with uh, the Vikings mm. and other such teams that are currently being chase chase Seahawks. Thank you. Chasing the final wild card spot in the, uh, in the NFC last week. Very good for the Rams. Didn't get a chance to watch the highlights of that one. Got a chance to watch a lot this week. But it does sound like, from what I hear, that Matthew Stafford is is kind of back and uh, balling, at, balling at full potential. 
And here's a real test because the Saints defense played pretty damn good last week. And uh, I feel like this is a good kind of late December. This feels like a playoff game type matchup. And finally, maybe a slightly, you know, not the most banger it could be, but like a solid banger for for Thursday night football. I mean, it matters a lot for the Saints to win this game because if you look at the remaining schedules of the other two NFC South teams that are in contention, um, the Bucks are playing the Jags, which, you know, I think that's a comparable matchup to the Saints playing the Rams. Um, and then the Saints and Bucks play each other. And then the Bucks play the Panthers, which is probably a W. And the the Saints, um, and then the Saints play the Falcons. And then the Falcons actually have, a, in my opinion, a slightly easier schedule the rest of the way, but they lost the Panthers, so they they need to win out. So, and they play the Colts and the Bears and then the Saints. So, like, the NFC South, I honestly, still looking at this, obviously the Panthers are not winning it, but I'm looking at this, and I honestly, I think this game, this next game, whoever wins, their, whoever is going to lose. So if the Saints lose, if the Falcons lose, and if the Bucks lose, and definitely the Falcons lose, whoever comes out of this week end with a loss is out of it period in my opinion yeah i would say i would say that's accurate i mean the falcons are bringing in tried and true a replace uh, replacement pitcher uh, taylor heineke who, <laughs> who you know like heineke is like despite his heroics and the feel good story <laughs> he's i mean he's not a he's not a great quarterback but yeah for, for what is what it's, he's got to be better than what that's we're just giving him like we're, we're just yeah. awful um, I mean, I, I think... part of it probably the stubbornness of Arthur Smith and the, his uh, strange reluctance to use his weapons to the fullest. I have no idea why. You'll have to ask that man himself. But I mean, <laughs> we didn't expect the football terrorists to be so rampant <laughs> across <laughs> that division. Like Dennis Allen, you can classify as a football terrorist. Derek Carr could be classified as a football terrorist. Oh, man. <laughs> so much um, slander. Um <laughs> I mean, I don't think the Falcons have a shot personally. I, they have to win out, and I don't think they're beating. I don't even think they're going to beat the Colts, and they're going to have a tough time beating the Saints just because those are always weird games uh, between yeah. in division opponents that in are the, about yeah. equal, equal, you know, uh, skill level. So, yeah. yeah, I think the Falcons I'm, are toast. I know all about screwy in division games. I, I play <laughs> my team plays in a crazy ass division. So yeah. So to me, to me, it comes down to do. The Saints beat the Rams and do the Bucks beat the Jags. Like to me, that's it. That's mm-hmm. the division. Which if one of those two teams loses their matchup this weekend, the other team is winning. The Jags are in free fall right now. They're playing, they're playing extremely bad. Over yeah, but but this weeks. is potential and, and the Bucks are frisky. Bacon Mayfield is not playing bad, but oh, it yeah. doesn't change the fact that I do believe the Jags are better than the Bucks. So, you know. Yeah. And they all, all all the Jags have to do is cross the state. They don't have to travel really far. So yeah. We'll get to that game in a second. Uh, the Saturday games, the one that really sticks out here is Bengals-Steelers. Where are we Mason at on Rudolph Steelers' time. quarterback controversy at this point? I feel well, like... Well, it's our, Mason Rudolph's going to... Mason Rudolph's going to be starting this Is week. it? Yeah, we're it's we're be at Rudolph. Mason Rudolph now? Mason I had Rudolph. no idea. No, we're, I mean, we're, at, we're at Mr. Headshot, so... I, oh, I will my say, God. I'll just say this. I think the Bengals have played really inspired and good football. They have looked like a legitimate AFC contender 
over the past three weeks with Jake Browning at quarterback. The Steelers sneaky have an all-name, no-game. Like, you look at the Steelers and you're like, oh, it's the Steelers, they must have a good defense. But their defense is kind of leaky, especially their pass defense. <clears throat> I'm interested to see how Jake Browning performs here. And I, I, I just... I really do feel this way. I think if the Bengals win this game, they have to feel very confident that they're in a, a, the driver's seat for one of those three wild card spots. Because if you go into, you know, next week with nine wins already and you can get your you only have to win one of your last two games to get mm-hmm. to 10 wins. I feel like you're in a very, very good spot. Uh, this is a big one for the Bengals, YB. Yeah, like the only problem is that the Bengals right now have absolutely terrible tiebreakers because they've lost like virtually every game to AFC opponents that, that are relevant. So if it goes into a situation where there are multiple 10 and 7 teams, the Bengals are probably going to be the odd team out. And yeah. last week, like last week was a was a heck of a story. Like punctuated with Jake Browning shouting into their camera, never should have fucking cut me. <laughs> it was it was an epic moment, but. Like, if you look into the game a little bit closer, like, it was a game that was decided by thin margins and by some questionable play calling by Kevin O'Connell. Also, some a hilarious interception thrown by Nick Mullins as he was falling down and then threw an interception to the guy that sacked him. I don't think I've ever seen that in my life. And then you couple that with T. Higgins, like, extending his long-ass arms for an incredible touchdown. Like, there were a lot of factors, like, going back to even the Jacksonville game. Like, there were... It was a very close game decided by thin margins and some might say a dubious holding penalty. Like so the Bengals I definitely say that's a dubious. That was that was in fact a dubious holding penalty. Yeah, that was it was a soft penalty. Like yeah. it was a soft penalty. Like so the Bengals they have, they're they're winning. So I guess in it matters for something. And Jake Brown is playing definitely playing well. It's like some uh errant throws aside. But obviously they lost they lost like one of the most most important players on defense regarding run defense, which hasn't been good all year. They lost DJ Reader to a quad tear. He's gonna be, he's gone for the rest of the season. So, in defense that allows the most running expo- explosive running plays in the NFL, just lost his best run defender. So you can take that how you will. Um, and obviously they might not. They might be without Jamar Chase, who has an AC sprain. I doubt he plays this week. So. And Pittsburgh was obviously the team that Jake Browning first played against when he became the starter. He played poorly, although I think after that Pittsburgh game, the coaching staff decided that the Burroughs, like the Burrow-tailored offensive scheme is not exactly a great match for Jake Browning. So they changed it up and I give the staff a lot of credit for that. And so it's going to be interesting because Pittsburgh right now, by contrast there, there's a lot of news coming about about Mike Tomlin, whether his seat's like slowly heating up, and also you see some of you might have seen the comments about George Pickens like making a business decision to not block on a running play after watching Tank Dell break his leg. Mm-hmm. So, like Deontay Johnson, obviously, it's shown like he's frustrated on the sidelines. Like, and I guess this is tradition in Akersher, like when the receivers decide to start suddenly start saying, "All right, fuck this, I'm out of here. Get me, get me out of this." black hellhole and then they draft they draft the guy in the third or fourth round who's in up 10 they get two years production out of them and then they start doing the same thing the cycle continues this has been a staple of the mike tomlin era and and eric was right in that 
they the Pittsburgh Steelers, like they've always been known for the defense, defense but Highsmith, although he's played well, he doesn't have the sacks that he did last year. Joey Porter Jr. plays fine as a rookie, but in terms of the, they don't have a, they're they're going to be missing Mika Fitzpatrick. Like they're going to have a rookie safety back there. So, and they're running out of bodies at linebacker. Like I think they lost about four guys, four linebackers to season ending injuries. So it's, it's a, it's a bad situation for the Steelers. I'm, I'm personally, really happy to see it you hate you you love to see it (laughs) those those of you mason and eric will know my deep-seated antipathy for the steelers but but it is going to be a very important game because if the bengals lose this game kiss a goodbye with their bad bad tiebreakers like but if the bengals win like they have the chiefs up next and then the browns which are not going to be easy games by any stretch of the imagination so this is the one they have to have in order to maintain their hopes so I was just looking at their tiebreakers. I think their only concern is if the Texans make a run here at the end and if the Bills fail to capture the division, which I think they have an outside shot at. The Bengals have the tiebreaker against us. Oh, yeah. that's right. I'm sorry. Um, so I think, honestly, like I think potentially their tiebreakers aren't as bad maybe as they look on their face. Um Obviously, like, they've lost to the Browns, um, so that that's one that's that's the most glaring one, right? Yeah. Um, and, but the Browns are already one game ahead, so if they beat them again, then that's basically bye bye. So but yeah, the, the, the one sure. other thing is like they've beaten Jacksonville, but they lost to Houston. So technically, it makes it would be much better for them, I think, if Houston like overtakes Jacksonville for the division. Oh, so, right. Yeah. So it's it's going to be complicated because there's so many teams logjammed there. Like. Like, I don't want to get into the tiebreakers thing until the game. Oh, the AFC is a mess right now. Yeah, oh, yeah it's a mess. You, but it's 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 like you know it, it's like that that's it, what is that? It's always sunny in Philadelphia. The guy with the red, the red oh, yeah, streams. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's you like could that. you could make. Board. I feel like with the way it is right now, you could make a case for a lot of these uh, wild card teams to to get. Well, if this happened, uh, yeah, I, mean, I feel right like now the Bills are currently sitting at number nine in the ranking with a sixty percent chance to make the playoffs. Exactly. Yeah. The Bills have a higher chance to make the playoffs than the Bengals right now. Yeah, which is wild. I I do we feel have a reasonable path to our division. Hmm. I, yeah. I, yeah. I agree with that, and we'll get to the Bills here just momentarily, but I do feel like I am very confident that if the Bengals win this game and get to nine wins, they will win one of their next two games. And I'm just not as worried about the tiebreakers as you are, YB. Hmm. I think the Bengals, if they win this game – are very close to being a lock for being a wild card team. I I think they just because the Broncos, let's be be honest, they've kind of fallen off. Even if they went out like they're ten and seven, it like I I feel like the Bengals, if they win this one, have a very solid chance of being a playoff team. And I feel most confident in them in Buffalo if they win this game. And then. Secondly is Buffalo, which we can briefly touch on Bill's Chargers and just say that was a really impressive win against the Cowboys last week. Really impressive. James Cook's best game of his career. We've said it for years and years and years at this point, and at least through the span of this podcast over the past few years, we have begged the Bills to run the ball to be a more balanced offense, and it looks like they can be now. I'll be interested to see how that translates. The Chargers, we know, got absolutely shellacked the last time they played. I get that it's an interim 
head coach now, but I feel like that entire organization with Justin Herbert now out for the season is just entirely checked out. If the Bills get another big win here, the schedule is pretty soft until they see the Dolphins again. You feel pretty good about them, like Mason said, having an outside chance at somehow winning the division and getting potentially a, a two seed or, or or if they can if they can somehow win out, which is kind of crazy considering where they were uh, a few weeks ago. I'm still not ready to quite buy into them 100% yet, but if they can win this game and if if they go into that final game of the year at 10 and 6, I feel pretty confident they're going to beat the Dolphins because that's just kind of what they do. And then you have a really interesting team going into the playoffs in a pretty weak outside of the top in Baltimore, a pretty weak AFC. So it's a, it's, it's a very interesting team to track right now. Wouldn't you agree, Mason? Yeah. I mean, honestly, the, the state of the AFC is the reason why really I have like kind of like more confidence in how the team is doing this year than I have in like previous years, because there was always at least two or three teams at the top who were just absolute powerhouses who were laying waste to teams week in and week out. And you knew every time you went to the playoffs, like if there was going to be a shootout and you were going to have to figure out how you were going to win that. This doesn't feel like that's going to happen this year. This feels like if the right team gets hot, they can just take a conference and it, and it won't be too much of like a battle for them. I mean, it will obviously be, you know, tough because they're the teams that are in there, but um, like the AFC just is, is a very depressed conference this year. There's, there's that middling set of teams and then there's like the Ravens <laughs> yeah, and everyone else. I mean, that's why, honestly, I think not even talking about this game, because I, I don't know that the game itself is terribly interesting with the state that the chargers are currently in. Um, the, the Ravens and 49ers game, I think will be extremely interesting as a measuring stick between the conferences. Yeah. If, if the Ravens go out and get absolutely polished off by the Niners, the AFC has a really big problem this year. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And we, we will get to that later, uh, later in the pod. I just, I want to keep things yeah. kind of separated right now, but yeah, I feel like this is an interesting game for the Bills, and we'll see how uh, it shakes out. Going to Christmas Eve now, early slate, but, but one that piques my interest is Lions-Vikings, because you feel like Lions win here, it's playoff berth pretty much. They can wrap up the division if they get this win as well, I believe. And it's just a nice story. You know, the Lions haven't been to the playoffs, and... For how knows who God knows how long they've not really been a, a team that matters. They got back on the right track. They beat the absolute piss out of the Broncos last week. They looked really good. Jared Goff looked like he got some confidence back. And that's really, I feel like, what these last three weeks are about. Just get Jared Goff going into the playoffs, playing at the best he can play, and see what happens. Because the last thing you want is for the slump to come back. You want to see him put together a few nice performances here so that, you know, he can kind of get rolling going into the playoffs. Because I feel like the playoffs, 
will be more fun if the Lions come in having a hot Jared Goff because you never know what happens with that. It's a good test for the Lions because their last three games are Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings. Vikings have a very good defense this year, although they somehow gave up 21 points to fourth quarter to Jake Browning. But other than that, they've been playing extremely well. The Cowboys obviously have a somewhat of a hit or miss defense, but they when when they're on, they're on. So it'll be a good good test for them because they'll be facing off against well, at least one very stingy defense if things go according to plan in San Francisco. But like the Lions, like obviously they got back on track against Denver. Denver had Denver's defense hadn't been playing bad either, and then they just proceeded to lay a bomb on. So it it goes to show you that the Lions, like they have like they've taken over the Bengals history of, you know, not having a playoff win in over 30 years. So this is something something the city is desperately hope clinging for, especially with the state of their basketball team. We'll not get we won't get into that. But like the golf has played well when the pocket's clean. And I think they finally got their own line their five stars back with Ragnow and Jonah Jackson and Taylor Decker, everybody coming back. So if that line can stay healthy, like they're one of the better lines in the league. So Assuming that, and then no no injuries to their big threats in Amorah St. Brown and San Laporta, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Like obviously, they have that issue where they haven't beaten anyone good, but hmm. like what? But the playoffs will be a chance to for them to flip that flip that story. I watched yeah. the uh, I watched the Barry Sanders doc, the new one on Amazon uh, this past uh, weekend, and. The, they 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 showed the the playoff game they had against the Cowboys, and just how raucous that that fan base was uh, for that playoff game that they had in, in forever. And, and I know they've had a few playoff games. And Matthew Stafford was there. Maybe it was only one, uh, but uh, you just get the sense that if the Lions or if and when the Lions do get into the playoffs and they actually win a playoff game, um, that city is just going to erupt. And I think that'll be that'll be cool to see. We we saw that two years ago with Cincinnati. You saw yeah. how that you saw when that interception happened. Like the the noise in that stadium was incredible. So yeah, uh, the Lions are just a very interesting team to watch here. The rest of a the rest of a stretch run to see how things uh, play out for them. Briefly, the Seahawks play the Titans. Man, I just want to shoot out shout out Drew Locke. Uh, that was a nice moment for him to, it was. you know, he, he's had a pretty brutal start to his career. If we're just being totally honest with ourselves, uh, it is, it has not been the best for him, but to have that moment to get his first start, his set, his first really home primetime start with the Seahawks and to get that win, he did try to do the most Drew Lock thing possible, which is throw pick sixes directly to the linebackers, which he <laughs> he kind of got away with to start that drive, I will point out. But, man, it's just cool. I don't know if any of you stayed up and watched the uh, ESPN on-field post-game press conference with him. I thought it was super interesting. You never really see guys be that candid. He just yeah. kind of talked about what it meant to him to play. And I just I just want to say I feel good for Drew Locke and I'm happy yeah. for him. And uh it's, I'm interested to see if they, if he plays again this week and if he can keep it up. Because if he can give him one more start like that while Gino gets healthy, 
and you get Gino back for those final two weeks to kind of tune up, like the Seahawks are still a team that you have to look at as a threat in when it gets to playoff time, just because of the pedigree on the coaching staff and the ability that Gino has shown over the past year and a half to kind of show up in these big games and play well. It's fitting that in the year of the backup quarterback that Drew Locke, who was supposed to be a franchise saver, but now is a backup. Like he had that moment in prime time. Jackson Smith and Jericho made an incredible catch to like finish off that game. And like you feel you feel good for the guy because like like we like we see the players as you know numbers on a numbers on a screen or just moving figures on a video. But like we all you all hear the stories about how much preparation goes into a game for all 53 members of the staff, all the players and the staff. And so like I think Drew Locke put it this way, like you're you're perpetually studying for a final exam, but you have no idea when that final exam will come. Like you have mm-hmm. or if it will come. So to have that to get that one more chance and to get an ending like he did, I feel good. For, you feel good for the guy. Like and I think what I heard is that Gino will be back this week. Like on the other side, I've heard that Will Levis might be out this week because of an ankle because of a sprained ankle. So the the train continues. Did you see the uh I I didn't watch the post game, but when he threw that pass, that that final touchdown, the camera that got his face right yeah. when he realized it, and just the expression on his face, you could see what what apparently he talked about in the post game is just like he had been slogging, you know, fighting through this this career. I mean, I remember when he was drafted, like it was like, you know, he was talked about you know, in the same breath as a lot of number one picks that, you know, definitely he isn't as an, at least thus far hasn't shown himself to actually be a member of. Um, so either the look on his face after he realized the touchdown, you know, was caught and that they were going to win the game. And, and it was because he played a part in it and, and didn't, you know, mess it up. You know, you could see the look on his face. It was just like, he, it was a moment for him. It's not like he, I don't want to say like he arrived, but he felt like, like, Hey, this is, this is potentially a turning point in my career. And then, yeah, you, you got to feel good for the guy. It was, it was some great camera work too by ESPN because like after that touchdown, when you see Drew Locke's face, like he's doing that little like a uh, motion and then they cut the Gino on the sidelines, like mirroring that motion. That was a great moment. Like, that was pretty tough. Eric's not sure about all this Drew Locke love. <laughs> I, I'm happy for him. We can give Drew Locke as much love as we want. But you, you, saw, you saw Gino behind that balaclava. Though. He was really happy for Drew Locke. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Browns, Texans. This one interesting report came out yesterday. CJ Stroud unlikely to start this game as well. Yeah. I would just that's, say that's concerning. That's, that's concerning. He's a rookie and he's already got one serious concussion that has kept him out multiple weeks. That's really bad. That is like two levels of head injury concern. I mean, it, like, it could it could be that they're just being really cautious. Cautious. Yeah. Yeah. And that that would be smart. The last thing you want to do is ruin your rookie franchise quarterback. But this will be an interesting game. But styles make fights. I feel like weirdly these two teams styles like match up. I don't know if you guys have watched over the past few weeks, but the Texans defense has kind of taken shape into mm. like what you would expect 
a D'Amico Ryan's defense to look like. They kind of play like San Francisco 49ers light. They're fast. They get to the ball. They have a good pass rush. They are solid in coverage. You have that paired with, I would argue, one of the top three defenses in the league in the Cleveland Browns. And throw in here that the quarterback matchup's really interesting. Case Keenum versus Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Like what like what are we doing here? It's kind of weird. 20, 2015 called. They want they want their they want their quarterbacks. <laughs> kind of weird, kind of wacky. I feel like this could be another like 20 to 17 game though. And weirdly, I feel like that fits the mold for both these teams. The Texans want to win that way right now. And the Browns have been winning that way all year long. This is a pretty huge game in the AFC as well. I think it's it's really interesting to see how this plays out. Do you have a, a way you're leaning on this one, Mason? It's tough because I so if CJ Stroud doesn't play, it makes it harder for me to see the Texans necessarily pulling off because the Browns really have been fairly consistent the past few weeks as far as just kind of getting it done. And I mean, Joe Flacco, I, <laughs> I had no idea the dude could still even play, but apparently. Father time hasn't come for him quite yet either, or at least in small spurts. So I, I don't know. For me, I think as much as I hate to say it, I'm leaning towards the Browns a little bit. Mm. I, don't, I don't know why I feel a small amount of animosity towards the Browns. Maybe it's it's in some kind of solidarity with YB, but you got you got to feel that Joe Flacco's comfortable actually, no, playing for the That's exactly yeah. what it is. you got to feel comfortable. He, Flacco's got to feel comfortable playing for the Browns because he's played in that stadium one so many times. Like so, like like. Behind Ben Roethlisberger, I think uh, Joe Flacco might be the winningest quarterback in uh, First Energy Stadium. <laughs> so, <laughs> take that out. It is but... weird. It is weird that Flacco, okay, by itself, Flacco at age whatever. I mean, he's got to be. I think. Yeah, 38. Yeah, close to forty. Is is actually like doing stuff. I mean, last time we saw him, it definitely didn't look like he had this in him. And then secondly, that he's doing it for the Browns. <laughs> it's just wild. Like you, you see, if you see Flacco throwing like on that touchdown to Amari Cooper, he threw it. He threw it definitely through its side. Like, and I don't mm. think it was because of a trick shot thing. I think it's because his shoulder can't take like throwing like two hundred balls anymore. So he's got to compensate. Basically, just yeah, almost he's, he's hook shot it. it. Yeah. yeah, he's got to compensate for it in veteran ways, and it's kind of fun to see him do that. Like Flacco, yeah. I, if I remember correctly, Flacco was in the draft with a couple other quarterbacks who haven't lasted as long as he did. Like, I forget which ones. I'll have to look that up. But, like, it's the Browns' defense. I was Like, they've fallen off from that, like, insane level that they were at in the first couple of weeks. But they're still a very, very good defense. Like, but they're ravaged by injuries, kind of like, like everyone is. Like, Grant Delkett's out. Uh, like, uh, Matt it, Ryan? Oh, yeah, Matt Ryan, Joe Flacco, and uh, there was one other guy. I forget. Anyway, but, like, with the Texans, like, It'll be because Case Keenum's also a former Brown, so mm. if, I remember, if I remember correctly, so it's it's gonna it's a hodgepodge of <laughs> people fighting their old teams. And I do want to point out that if Trevor Lawrence is also going to be missing the game with a concussion, which I do not know if that's the case, like he does have a concussion, so all four AFC South starting quarterbacks are out 
Anthony Richardson, obviously, for the start of the year. Will Levis is probably going to be out with a sprained ankle, right? Mm. Ironically, which will bring him back to the original starter, Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> and then, like CJ Stroud is obviously out. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so Trevor Lawrence, Richardson, Tannehill, and uh, Stroud. So AFC South has been hit hard by this quarterback injury, like under the radar. Yeah. Very, very rough. Moving on to that AFC South team, Jags, Buccaneers. Uh, Doug Peterson today said Trevor Lawrence is progressing through concussion protocol, but it is unclear whether he plays or not. They certainly could use him because this is a huge week for that division, much like it's a huge week for the NFC South. And it's weird they do kind of cross contaminate a little bit because that's the division that they're playing outside this year. And this, this is a big one. I I really can't understate how good the Buccaneers offense was last week. They got Chris Godwin seriously involved for what feels like the first time all year, really. And Baker was just cooking and like playing at his best and playing super confident. And that's the way you got to have Baker Mayfield play for your team. If you want to have success, I I really feel like the Bucks have an edge here, no matter who plays a quarterback, because the Jags offense is just kind of, unfortunately for my fantasy team's hopes, I traded for Trevor Lawrence. He had two amazing oh. weeks. And then he just disappeared and, and almost almost tore his ACL or broke his Achilles or whatever. And, you know, then on a garbage time play, basically, gets concussed. It feels like the vibes around the Jaguars are all bad right now. The defense isn't really playing super well. Like, there, there's a real chance that the AFC South is so competitive that the Jags lose out and because they have, they're, they're going to end up with maybe eight losses they lose out of a playoff spot too they have got to start winning some games and I feel like they're going to lose this week mm. like if, I, if I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate for the Jags like if you watch the Ravens game like the score obviously doesn't flatter them like but they did move the ball pretty well on the Ravens. It's just that they had a they had a ghastly turnover in the red zone because Trevor Lawrence for some reason decided to drop the ball, like a lot of Deshaun Jackson before the goal line. And then and then they had that sequence at the end of the half where they decided to, you know, uh try to quick play one near the goal line and then they couldn't get out of bounds and they were, and they had no timeouts. So they moved the ball pretty well against the Ravens for the most part, which is not an easy thing to do. But you're right that if Lawrence can't go, that'd be a pretty much a disaster. And I think the Bucks might have that handily. If Lawrence can go, like he hasn't like looked the best he's ever been. So they're a team trending in the wrong direction. Trayvon Walker hasn't like he hasn't been a bust per se, but for a number one pick, I think it's safe to say he's been way below expectations. Uh, it's and Devin Lloyd, like like there's always there's always been obviously said he is like his head is spinning in coverage and I think much like how the Seahawks like much, much like how the Eagles linebackers right now the focus of their fire like 
the Jacks, the Jags, like with the linebackers they have, other than Aluakun, like they have a liability in the middle of their defense. So it's it's not a great place to be. And it, I mean, my fantasy team is a playoff host right on Calvin Ridley on one of my one of my leagues, so I'm not exactly in great shape either. But you know. <laughs> I Finally, think, the big game Sunday. Oh, sorry, Mason. Did you no, have any thoughts there? Not, not too much. I just, I, I think that that your assessment on the Jags being in free fall is pretty accurate. And with the way the Bucks played last week, this is a bad game. Yeah. And yeah. If yeah. they get beat badly again, they're cooked. I don't care what the rest of their schedule looks like. If they get whooped by the Bucks, they're done. Mm. Just yeah. morally, like that, they're it's got to be devastating. Here it is to me the game of the day on Sunday. Thankfully, the the afternoon slates light. I can second screen Jags Bucks, but Cowboys Dolphins. This is the basically, um, I guess we'll call it the prove something bowl. I mean, I, I feel like both of these teams have a lot to prove. One, the Cowboys have to prove that last week was a fluke. Which, let's be honest, it probably wasn't. Like, if you're a smart football fan, if you've been watching football for literally any amount of time over the past decade, you know that the Cowboys probably aren't going farther than the divisional round. And they're probably on their way to another early playoff exit. And the evidence last week showed us that, yeah, that's probably true. But I guess they could maybe convince you the other way here. And, and for the Dolphins, it's a really good chance, even though they've they've struggled with really great teams this year, the Cowboys are not, let's be honest, the Cowboys are not Super Bowl contenders. I'll just say that. I don't, I don't believe there's any chance the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. I just don't believe in, in the DNA of the team and the coaching staff. If the Dolphins wanted to prove themselves here, as a team that the Bills should fear in that second matchup, as a team that is going to have a chance to win out and get a top two seed in the AFC, they've they've got to win this game. This is a game where they have to come out and prove that they are something. It's also a very interesting coaching matchup. Mike McDaniel's offense versus Dan Quinn's defense I'm really interested to see how it plays out. Has anyone seen Tyree Kill's status recently? Is he going to play this week, or are uh, are we in for another week of of the Jalen Waddle show? But but the Dolphins are continue. I, I would argue have been one of the most consistent teams in the NFL. They by and large kick the shit out of bad teams as they did last week. And they really struggle with the teams that are proven. And they've had one fluke loss in the Titans. I feel pretty much the same way I feel I felt about the Dolphins in October as I feel about them now going into late December. I feel like this is a game where they could change my mind, especially with a big matchup with the Ravens coming next week. If they can start this stretch with a win, I feel like you feel much more confident that they're not going to lose out because if they do lose this game, there is a real potential that that happens because 
the next games are the Ravens and the Cowboys. It's just a huge game for Miami. Well, Tyreek wasn't in practice on Wednesday, which he has, which has been also been the case a couple of times. So, at, like, and they did say that Tyreek basically was a game time decision last week before decided that, like, no go. So, I would assume Tyreek plays, but ironically enough, I think if the Cowboys, like, when their defense is on, they're on. But last week showed that they do have a significant problem that you can run on them. Like, James Cook ran all over the all over Dallas and. I believe the Niners, well, the Niners run over everybody, but they ran the ball well against the Cowboys. And the Dolphins, like, although they have a slightly more unconventional running attack, they have a very productive running back right now in Racine Mostert and and an ace in the hole in Devin Chain. So I think they match up well against the Dallas defense, especially if they have Tyreek Hill again, like, uses gravity in a sense. Like, I think the Dolphins are well matched up against the Cowboy defense. On the other side, like the Dal- Dal- Dolphins defense has played really, really well. Like, even after losing Jalen Phillips, who's a very, good, very good pass rusher. Like, well, obviously, like shutting out the Jets isn't. It's it's not high on the difficulty level in terms of shutting out teams. But you saw like how you saw how they played. Jalen Ramsey has been playing excellent ever since he came back. I think they're getting Javon Holland back as well. So they're gonna. And David Long has been a revelation for them on, on, on the linebacker position. So, I if Tyreek plays, I I lean towards the Dolphins personally. But if Tyreek doesn't, then I think it's basically a quit. What are you feeling about this game, Brock? Yeah, I mean, this is an this. I mean, we you said already. This is an important game for Miami. And it's an important game for the Cowboys. So I think they're going to give each other their best shots. Um, you know, I uh, I do want the Bills to make it in. So I'm hoping that uh, the, the the Dolphins falter here. Um, but you, who knows? Um, I, I, I don't definitely don't count out um, uh, Mike, Mike McDaniel um, and what he's potentially can put together. So... Uh, I think it's going to be a good game for sure. Probably the best game of the of the week. Would be hilarious if they if the Cowboys like lose this one and then and then like basically after doing the hard work they just kind of falter down the stretch and then give the Eagles the NFC East back on a platter. It would be very fitting of the Dallas Cowboys, but that would be funny. It very much would be. Yeah, I mean the, Dol- you know the Dolphins the really. I think. I think. YB is right that Tyreek Hill is probably going to play. And I think that that definitely gives the Dolphins an edge. Because honestly, at this point, the Dolphins really do need to win the next two games. Yeah. Just because then it gives them the comfort of week 18, knowing that they really don't have <laughs> anybody. Because they lose just one of these games and it puts them right back in the target. And so I, I think they're going to be putting everybody on the field that they possibly can, even if he's mostly a distraction. Yeah. Christmas Day, we get three games. Chiefs, Raiders, just briefly here. Okay, I mean, at what point are you guys going to, like, get as panicked as I am about the Chiefs as I have been literally since week one? Like, are are, are we finally out of our doldrums, out of our our heads that (laughs) that this is, like, actually a problem because... Last week they went 
to New England. And sure, they targeted Travis Kelsey a lot, but he had two really brutal drops. It has been a terrible year for Travis Kelsey. He has not played well most of the season. They put Sky Moore on IR. doesn't really matter. He wasn't really contributing. Their best receiving target at this point is who? Rasheed Rice? Like, they, they have very serious problems that might get them bounced in a wild card round. Like okay. that, that, that I feel like that is fair to say at this point. I don't think that's, that's not correct, but it doesn't matter. Look at their remaining schedule. The only problem that you see on the horizon are potentially the Jake Browning led Bengals, which again, we, we sang their praises, you know, at the start, right. But it's the chiefs. You have the best quarterback on the planet and one of the best coaches on the planet. Like, I agree 100% with your analysis of the skill position, but, and, and they probably, you know, I think there's a good chance for sure that they lose a playoff game and, and, you know, either in the wild card card round or, or just, just after it. Right. I agree with all that, but there, in my opinion, there's no way they aren't going to win two of the remaining three and get into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I would, I'm not crazy. I think they are a playoff team. They've won enough games at this point. They, they'll definitely get to 10 wins but i don't know it's just and it just i i and the only other, the only thing i'll say about the chiefs in the playoffs is how many how many straight um years have they gone to the playoffs at this point and to the afc championship minimum how many straight years have they done like they've just have a lot of experience. I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying about the skill position, but the playoffs is a different animal. They do have experience. Who knows what's going to happen when they, when they actually get into those games. That's all I'm saying. It's just because we're not there yet. Like when we get to the yeah. playoffs, if they still look like this, I'm with you hundred percent. I'm, I'm, I'm worrying about them getting bounced into either wild card or division. Well, not worried about it. I'm hoping for it, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking that the wild card or division round is probably the end of the road for them. But right now, I mean, it's just teams trying to get to the playoffs and they've got a super clear road for it. So I'm really not worried about them. And again, they have Patrick Mahomes, they have Andy Reid, they have Travis Kelsey. I have a lot of faith that they can figure something out to turn some of this around until I see otherwise. It's kind of like the Tom Brady thing. Until I watched yeah. him not do well, I'm unwilling to to say that it's it's not going to happen in the big moment because it's just what he fucking does. And the Chiefs are a demon and until they're slain, I can't believe that they're gone. So yeah, that, and that's all I'm saying. I, and I'm not even saying you should feel good about the Chiefs. I agree. I agree with what you're saying. You, we shouldn't feel good about where they are as an offense, for sure. No, because their offense looks genuinely almost anemic. I mean, if it wasn't for Patrick Mahomes being their quarterback, they would yeah. genuinely be a bottom five offense in the league right now. Agreed. I'm I'm just saying that the Chiefs are definitely getting in the playoffs. And once they're in the playoffs, I have confidence in Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid to be able to to figure some stuff out now, but does that mean they're going to go past, you know, two games in the playoffs? No, I don't think it guarantees that, but I think you can reasonably say there, it, it, it is, it's a shot. That's all. And it, it is, it does boggle the mind that we say that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are having a down year. Patrick Mahomes had 3,700 passing yards and 25 touchdowns. Travis Kelsey has 85 catches and 924 yards. And that's a bad yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. Yeah. But it's different in the playoffs. Like all, all everybody is different in the playoffs, right? Um, yeah. So you know they, you know it could this it could go either way. 
is 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 the reality. I mean, it, yeah. and besides, like the the feel good story of last week's TNF aside, like the Raiders are a flawed team. So yeah. So I mean, yeah. it's like they're not they're not going to have any problems with the Raiders, like unless yeah. something goes absolutely goes terribly wrong. Oh yeah. Like like barring some kind of injury or like lightning into the stadium or whatever. Like they're playing two the three teams they're playing at the end of their season. The Raiders, who, the Raiders who's had their whose head coach was fired, the Bengals who lost their first round draft pick starting quarterback, and the Chargers who also just had their head coach and GM fired. So and and also they also lost their first round quarterback. Let's yes. not forget that. Yes, that that too. So I mean, I'm not saying they can't lose to any of these teams. Certainly, stranger things have happened, but I mean. We'll, we will no. we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah. Giants, Eagles. Yeah. I want to take this moment just to ask a question of this panel. Where are we at with Jalen Hurts as a player? Because I, I feel like I've seen enough this year where it's clear that last year was really good. Obviously, he was an MVP candidate. This year, I guess you could blame maybe he has a little bit of a bum knee. But I've been more concerned with his throwing mechanics and the fact there's just not as much zip and velocity on the ball as there was last year. I know he lost his offensive coordinator. I know things changed a little bit. Where are we at on Jalen Hurts as a quarterback right now? Because I came into the year, and I will be the first to admit, you guys both know I was huge on Jalen Hurts coming into the year. I really thought he was a top three, top five NFL quarterback. And this year has just proven that that's, that's not true. I don't think he's bad, but I feel like we we have to put him now more in that kind of 8 to 12 range where we're talking about guys like Dak and Kirk Cousins when he's healthy. And these guys that are kind of – Year to year, own own category. That man's a stat monster. Yeah, Uh, and (laughs) kind of year to year, you know he's going to be a solid quarterback, but you never know if if he's going to put up monster numbers. Because again, the numbers haven't been good this year either. He's only got nineteen touchdowns and he's thrown twelve picks. I just feel he's, he's run for 10. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel less confident in him and his trajectory as a player going forward. I think that, yes, you roll with him as a guy that you try to go win a Super Bowl with, but I do feel like they need to make some changes this offseason and, you know, change the offense, get him a few more weapons, see what they can do with that run game because it, it uh, wait, a few, more, a few more weapons? A, 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 team, know, a man that, know, a man that has A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, and De- 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 and yeah, but, okay, Swift needs then more let's, weapons? Let's, see, let's, let's take that argument then, YB. If he has all those weapons, why does he look as pedestrian as he does passing the football? He has had huh? a, just a really bad year. And I'm just wondering, I mean, is it just a one-off? Is this just a bad year? Is this just like... I think you can say it's a fall off from last it's a, year. It's a below expectations year. That's not, that doesn't mean it's a bad year. To me, to me, Jalen Hurts um, kind of fits in a similar place that maybe like Cam Newton did in parts of his career, where 
I know Lamar I, I, Jackson. Okay, yeah, Lamar Jackson. I, not that they're the same player, because I'm not suggesting that. Right, right. But Cam Newton, in the heart of his career when he was playing well, he could win you a game. But you know, sometimes he would throw the ball too high, or he would, you know, you know, miss a read or something. Right? Like he was a a he was a move the needle kind of player, but he necessarily didn't do it all all the time or always when you wanted him to. Right? And um, I think Jalen Hurts had a great year last year. Maybe he's having a below expectation year this year, but I think he's going to, on average, be a little a bit of a higher ceiling uh, quarterback than a Kirk Cousins or uh Dak Prescott, right? I, I would put him, I would put him in a, maybe a Lamar category, right? He moves the needle. Now, does he always move the needle all the time? Every time you need him to like Patrick Mahomes does, right? Uh, no, I don't think that's accurate. Uh, but I, I would put him, you know, maybe in that tier below um, an, an all-time quarterback. And, and you can't all, you, you know, it's, it's amazing. We even have someone of Patrick Mahomes caliber immediately after we've had like, you know, Brady and Manny yeah. You know, it's amazing. We, yeah, exactly. So, you know, we're going to have, it's, it's more, it was, it was more like we had more people of Jalen Hurts' caliber. So I don't think I'm concerned. I think it's more like, you know, we're, we're going to see some peaks and valleys throughout Jalen Hurts' career, but we're never going to see a valley so deep that it's going to cause us to question everything. Yeah. Like, I think I also like, like maybe this is like recency bias kicking in, but, like there's some decision making issues that I think Hurts been having over the past like couple of weeks that, that that have been come to the fore. And like Nick Bosa said, like they found out a blueprint to contain Hurts, and ever since then, like maybe they maybe the defensive players have been sharing around the league, and Hurts has not been playing well over the last three weeks. Although, like with Hurts, like I think this year they've tried going for the deep ball more often than not. I think pre- especially compared to previous years. I think the absence of Dallas Goddard I probably also had something to do with it for a while. And like he I think he's he's like you know how one of the one of the kind of cliched sports analysis like talking points is that you give your guy you give your main guy the chance to win you the game, you know, you and sometimes that means forcing the ball to and then when things go sideways like it did last well, not the first interception, but the second interception when he was throwing to AJ Brown, like when it goes wrong, they say you should have taken the saber read. Like it's results based and results based analysis. Like, so if it works well, then you gave your guy the chance to win the game. If it doesn't work well, then why did you do it? It's hindsight analysis at its finest. And Hertz, for what it's worth, Hertz is like he's completing 66 percent of his passes, 2,400 2, providing five hundred more on the ground. Total what thirty three touchdowns. That's not that's not someone like that you can kind of say like is a tier tier three quarterback like. He may not be like the top of tier one, like I think, as think, like as some people might have won, like thought him might have been capable of. But on the whole, Hertz is Hertz is a guy that like that can win you like important games, and I think he proved that in the Super Bowl and also in the course of the playoffs last year. Like this year, obviously he's slowed down a bit. Like maybe the like, you can point to a lot of reasons why, and but I did that. I did have concerns, and I think Eric brought this up with throwing mechanics that. I'm not sure if he's like stepping into the throws as much. Like he kind of seems like he kind of flings it with his arm, like on some occasions when he doesn't really need to. And maybe that offensive line, which was so good for so long, is finally kind of slowing down with Lane Johnson getting older, Travis, Jason Kelsey being a bit older, and having a new guard with Cam Jurgens, who was traditionally a center. So 
couple of factors and people have like lesser years like we're seeing Mahomes have a lesser year like to bring up another point so I don't think that disqualifies him from being a very top top tier quarterback by any stretch of imagination. Finally, before we get out of here, a little talk on the game of the week. Niners Ravens. Here's what I've got to say about this one. The Ravens? I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe I'm just ignorant. I feel like they have a ton to prove in this game. Mm. Like I, I, I know, I know it's been a, a pretty good year for Lamar, but still, like his his stats aren't aren't crazy. He's thrown for three thousand yards and seventeen touchdowns, which is good. That's a it's a good year. He's a top ten passer for sure. But the Ravens have benefited from what has kind of become a soft schedule. They beat the Texans when they were bad at the beginning of I mean, would you disagree with that? I I mean, what wh- where do you look at their schedule I guess and say I'm really impressed by X win. I I feel the like they the Lions when they pasted them 38 to 6. The Browns the first time? Yeah, but that's that's week 3 and that's for Browns who you know, are a playoff team, but they're. I just feel like in this matchup, the Niners are the clearly better team. That's what I'm trying to get at here. They are, and I, like, I, I, I don't think I, the Ravens. Well, the Ravens might dispute that, but I think most people will agree. I, I think that there is a, and like YB said, it's really a test to see what the conferences are at this point, and I just feel like the NFC is miles ahead of the AFC as far as quality football goes. I I, I up and up I, and down the conference? Like I I, I disagree with that. The, t- the at top, the top of, of the conference. conference the yeah, top at the top of the conference, conference yeah. That yeah. I that I agree with. Like I, I just I don't know. I've I have this feeling about three weeks ago about the same time I have all my feelings uh, about <laughs> who I think will win the Super Bowl sometime around early December it comes and I just feel like I, I I would just be shocked if we're hurdling towards anything other than a 49ers Super Bowl victory like I, I I know that there are playoff questions for Kyle Shanahan and this that and the other thing but they are a perfect football team right now they are a playing perfect football and I think there is a chance that we get to this game and the Ravens defense despite being very good this year, doesn't have answers, and this gets out of hand. I, I, I'm I, worried that this is a blowout for the 49ers, to be completely honest with you. I, I don't, I just do not believe in the Ravens that much as an outfit. Your opinion on the Ravens goes like wild, goes wildly in one yeah, yeah, from I know, of this podcast. But they didn't, they didn't really like everyone is freaking out about that Jags win last week. That game was pretty close for most of it. Like, they struggled to score on that defense, which has kind of fallen apart in the past few weeks. Like, I don't know. Are they really going to be able to score against the 49ers? I just, and if it becomes a shootout, can they keep up? Because the 49ers have much better weapons. 
Yeah, but the Niners, like, let me I'm taking a look at the Niners schedule. Like, the one, the one legitimately good defense I think they played is the Browns, and they put up 17 points on the Browns, which, and they lost that game, although they lost the game because of a very disputed penalty call, mm. <laughs> and which the, which the Browns benefited hugely from. Yeah. So, like, I, I mean, they they shelled they shelled the Cowboys and the Eagles. So, so obviously they have done a bit more in that regard. But I don't think the Ravens like the Ravens have a disturbing tendency to play down to their competition when they're playing inferior quote unquote inferior teams. But when the chips are down and they're playing hot good teams, like they're always they match up to them as well. They play to the level of their competition in my experience. And Lamar Jackson. Is he having like something close to his MVP here? No, not quite. Like it's not been that explosive, and they've been hit with injuries at the running back position. What else is new? And uh, poor, uh, shout out to Keaton Mitchell who was playing well and then had a mm. ghastly knee injury. That that was disturbing to see. But I think on the whole, the Ravens like they'll they'll be the underdogs, obviously, at in San Francisco. I think that's also that's also a part of it. But the Ravens. Are not a team to be slept on, and I would be I would be pretty surprised if it ends up being a same. I'd be pretty surprised. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's fair to say that the uh, the Ravens hasn't haven't beaten anyone serious, but I also agree with YB. I think this is going to be uh, a good game. I think the Ravens will come to play. Um, I do think the Niners will win, but I, I do think it'll be a good game, a close game. It would have been nice to see Mark Andrews play against the right yeah. against the Niners. I yeah. think that's that's a pretty big loss. Uh, speaking of Mark Andrews, and like this is a, 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 a this is a bit of an off topic, but you guys have heard the debate about the hip drop tackle, you know, the and the amount of injuries that it causes, and how they're working on like seeing if they can legislate it. What what are you guys' opinions? I am I'm the opinion you can't do it. Because otherwise, how are you going to tackle a guy when you're dragging, when you're getting dragged by a 250 pound tight end? But obviously, the powers that be at the NFL decide that they want to try to see, like, in the name of player safety, if they can uh, handicap defense a little more. So, what do you, like, what do you guys think? Like, is that is it going to be possible? I think it's nearly impossible to legally tackle someone in the NFL if you go by the NFL's official rule book at that point because you can no longer technically leave this is a take i've had for a long time and it's similar to the tom brady take that he put on instagram about this week you can't really tackle a guy without somehow bleeding with your head because even if you're practicing good tackling mechanics the point of good tackling mechanics is to get low and to get low you have to physically lower your head Mm -hmm. so by that standard, every tackle in the NFL is already illegal. And now to just add this on top of it, it's like at that point, it just becomes a little bit of a farce to me, to be completely honest with you. Because like, what is a legal tackle? What's not? Like Kareem Jackson has had a few run-ins this year right. with leading with his helmet. And some of them, some of them I totally agree with. The one he got suspended for you can't do it's just dumb but some of them like the first one that he appealed it was just a really dumb call and like there was no other way he was going to make a tackle other than trying to tackle the guy i just feel like 
it's hard. At some point, the NFL will just have to realize that it's an inherently violent sport and player safety can only be taken so far because it is an inherently violent sport. Unless you fundamentally change the sport, you'll never be able to really take injuries out of it. That's just the way I I feel. And you can protect, protect players all you want. Like, that's good. But you do have to realize that the game is violent. And, like, it, it's just kind of what the, these guys sign up for. I think... Uh... I think Tom Brady is becoming an old man who yells at clouds. Um, I think uh, so. Okay. I broadly, I agree, Eric, with what you've said. And, and I guess by some extent, Tom Brady, although I disagree with his take that you like lowering your head to tackle is leading. I disagree with that take because you can see by looking at the, the tackles that cream Jackson was making, there is a difference between leading with your head and not, like there's a difference between launching with your head at somebody else and not, right? It, 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 there is now. Is it very hard to sometimes differentiate and not do bad calls occur? Absolutely, I agree with that. And um, you know, there are definitely at some point, yeah, I, and I agree with your overall statement. Which at some point, you know, this is a this is a violent contact sport, right? Um, we can introduce all these things and and so on and so forth, but. At the end of the day, they, you know, it is a violent sport, and that's why people like it. Like, let's be real about why people like football. I mean, they used to have, used to have those segments on ESPN with the the well, I forget what it was called, but it was like the uh, yeah, the jacked up segments. Yeah, I mean that that was, uh, you know, that was what people liked. And and you know, do I want football players to have like you know terrible uh, end of life conditions and brain trauma and all that? No, of course not. Nobody wants that. Um, but you know they're signing up to play play this game, and that you know, I, and I hope on some level they know what they're getting into. But at the end of the day, that it, that is what it is. Um, I have one other thing. Yeah, uh, I guess like you know Tom Brady. I don't know how he's going to be in the booth because you know he he's getting more free with his takes, and it's like I hear him, and it's like, all right, Tom, like. I kind of agree with you, but like, I don't really completely agree with what you're saying. So I'm interested to see next year, if he actually does get in the booth, what he's going to be like, because I don't know, maybe it's just a byproduct of how long he played the game from the position he played it. Um, And he was responsible for a lot of like rule changes to protect quarterbacks. I don't know. I don't know how he's going to be in the booth. I'm interested to see (laughs) how that's going to go. It, uh, that that's a very interesting point but i just kind of want to dovetail on here like it'll be very very unique to have him in the booth because other than maybe like wayne gretzky on tnt uh, intermission shows this is the greatest player the sport has ever seen and he will be a color announcer in a booth every week. I just don't think that's happened before. Usually you get coaches, you know, John Madden was a legend in his own right, but nowhere near the legacy of Tom Brady. Like, I mean, I'm just, you I, could I, say I, Peyton Manning on his Manning cast. Yeah. That's a different format. Different it's format, but he is talking about a lot of the plays more than you would at, at a halftime show. True. Yeah. I'm just interested to see how that plays out too. I just I'm interested to see how he and, approaches well, the unfortunate the unfortunate thing is he may not be good. Like you actually like and you have to actually be good at specifically color commentating, right? Like not every it's like different skill. 
It's a different a like skill. like uh what was the Cowboys tight end Jason Witten. uh Jason Witten. Witten. Oh god, great he was guy, so terrible, great guy, great player. I just didn't have the the chops for the booth. I'm sorry, you know, I, there's nothing to say against the guy. It's just he didn't have it. Greg Olson, yeah. complete opposite, great in the booth. Which side of the coin is Tom? Fr- well, I don't know. We're flipping the coin. We're gonna find out. <laughs> Mason, give us your take on the on the hip drop thing and whatnot. So I, I agree with you and like the competitive advantage issue, like the offense already has like so much of an advantage and so many of how like the rules are formatted. If we add this, it's like, okay, so now tight ends are literally just going to pretty much run free across the free, yep. field and just drag, <laughs> drag people across like free touchdowns for every tight end who's over 280 pounds. Good luck to everybody. You're all screwed now. Congratulations. And uh, also, like, the refing is already so bad. Yeah. And now we're going to add some other subjective yeah. take to Judgment it. calls. So now yeah. we add, we introduce yet more crap that the refs can subjectively call in weird moments to make us all go, shit, why are we watching this stupid game anymore? That and, is and it's happening at so fast speed. Like, we had the benefit yeah. of instant, instant replay and slow-mo. Like, they don't. Like, it's hard. No, they don't. And they, al- they already can't seem to distinguish – between what is and isn't somebody dropping their weight onto a quarterback when they're tackling mm, them in the back. Right. Yeah. Because, like, how many times do we see in live speed the guy literally roll off to the side and they're like, nah, he dropped his weight on him. And you're like, what are we all watching right now? Because it's not and the conver- same freaking game. And, uh, and conversely, like, you see Justin Fields getting hit, like, two after two slaps after throwing the ball and nobody, he never gets a call. Oh, okay. So, all right, two things. I remember what I was going to say earlier, but on that, you see this a lot, I think, if you have a bigger quarterback. So, like I saw this a lot with Ken yeah. Newton. Man was man was roughed almost every play, never got called. Why? He's six foot five and two hundred something pounds, right? Every big quarterback has that, I think. The I think Shaq been, problem, yeah, the Shaq problem. Yeah. The thing with Cam Newton, too, I think is the same problem that Justin Fields has, and it's the same yeah. problem a lot of newer quarterbacks had. And you heard it when Cam Newton complained to one of the refs. Yeah. And the ref looked him dead in the eye and he said, You're not good enough to get the calls yet. Yes. And that's and that okay. <laughs> and then that and that connects to my Tom Brady thing, right? He was so good for so long. I don't know if he has the same I don't know if he's gonna have the same perspective, maybe that yeah, we could, would expect. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But okay, but my previous thing I was gonna say, hardly ever do you see a ref call a lowering the head penalty on a running back. They do right. it on right. every play. Yeah. Where that's is that? How you have, that's how you brace for contact. Like that's it's natural motion. Like you, yeah, because like, you don't li- want to get literally hit. every time yeah. they were about to receive contact. Yes. lower. Yeah, that's, that's technically against the rules. So like, yeah, that's that's my journey. Like, if you go by the letter of the law, every tackling play in the NFL is illegal. If you like, go by the letter of the law, you can't have this game, period. Yeah. How, how many how many face masks do running backs get away with when they're stiff arming dudes? Oh, I think that's legal, right? Are they you allowed can't to grab them? You can you can push you can, it like you can with push an open the face. Yeah. To a degree, it's legal, but as soon as <laughs> yeah. your fingers enter that face mask, it's not. Yeah, yeah. But but what I, but it's like it's like it's like they always say, right? You could call holding on every every play. Yeah, right? you, could. you literally could. You literally could. You watch the the replays, and it's you watch a technique for how O line the block. Like 
it, yeah. the technique, the proper technique is to hold the jersey and then let go when they start going so, in a different direction. So there was a, so last so last week's uh, Panthers Falcons game. Uh, Mark Schlereth was the color commentator, right? Uh, I believe he was an O lineman for the he was Giants. An O-lineman. Giants, a very good so, one. If I remember. Correctly. So they they called a holding penalty on on one of the Panthers uh, O linemen, and he was saying like, as a, an offensive lineman, when you you're you're you have leverage to one to to, to one side or the other, you have to basically develop a sense for when your quarterback is rolling out to your opposite side and let go because otherwise you are holding but but the technique is like you were saying maybe is you are holding you just have to have the wherewithal to like if your quarterback is scrambling which is what bryce young did he scrambled out to the right uh the right guard was called for holding because he just wasn't ready for that and he didn't let go in time right before we go i i will just say the fact we're having this discussion so in depth about officiating i think the NFL hates this, but I do think how the playoffs are officiated is one of the biggest storylines going into the playoffs. Because I wonder, if, we've seen this before, I wonder if the league sends out a mandate to guys to like ease off a little bit, and I wonder if we just get a lot more lax when we get to the playoffs, or if we're still having basically referees decide games at this point. I'm interested to see how that plays out. It shouldn't be of interest, but it is, unfortunately. That's the reality. And yeah. it's the problem with having like a, such a, a fast-moving game with so many parts. Like, like it's... The football is, like... How many how many officials are on the field on a play? Like, eight? Um, like, yeah, line judge, judges, line judge. Like, judge. So six, six or six or six, somewhere six plus. Yeah, so, at least six. So like it's such a it's such a complicated game, such a fast game. Yeah, exactly. And then you have also the sky like you have the guys in the VAR booth and whatnot. So everyone. So it's it's I mean, I have sympathy for some of the refs because it's a ridiculously hard game to officiate on a split second. But even so, like you can see like the the fact that officiating is such a big part of the discussion is it's depressing. Yeah. I don't, right, what I don't understand is sorry, sorry, or no final thing. What I don't understand is all these networks have these guys who are responsible for coming in and, and giving the take, right? And a right. lot of them are the, pretty the good. Rules yeah, the rules and analysts, whatever. A lot of them are pretty good. They come in and, and they tell you basically what you're thinking on the couch. Why don't we just have that for, for the NFL? Well, yeah. It, uh, all you, of them are the former. Yeah, adjudicators yeah. of the rules for the NFL, and that's, but but I, but a lot of the time, a, a lot of the time, spend all their time doing that, and it's stressful and criticized. Like they get criticisms all the time, and they're like, "I can make a better paycheck doing this," and so they just attrition. Sometimes I just wonder, like, why didn't the NFL keep Dean Blandino? Like he gets or like territory. Like these they didn't guys. Want to stay. Because they don't want to stay. Why would they stay when they can make a bigger paycheck on network, right. have a less stressful job? Right. It's it's a, it's a thankless job. You get insulted all the time when you're a referee, and you get paid less. No, no, no. But <laughs> but I mean, like, have 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 some. Not you're not on the field. You're doing exactly what you're doing for the network. And I get like it's oh, less you want stressful. Like a sky cam, basically. What yeah, you're yeah. I want I want someone. I basically either want Gene Serator or someone like him with the feed that he has currently for the networks. Uh, whichever network he's with right now, I yeah. actually don't know adjudicating this and having some sort of say in these pivotal, pivotal calls. Cause like I mean, a lot of the times, does. 
That's what the uh, is it? It doesn't feel like it. According to them, you do have plays, their ears on damn near every play. I mean, I just you, you do. I mean, you do have plays when they quickly send it to like whatever the box is, and then they kind of reverse position on the fly without a challenge or a review. So it's kind of there, but it just feels I understand what you're saying. inconsistent, and it's like, and it, and it just feels like when you're watching you know, the rules analysts come in and like they've had just as much time to look at it as quote New York has had and they are echoing what you on the couch are saying and then the refs come out and say, no, it's not that. It's just like, I am not a rules expert. I am sitting on my couch. The guy on the TV agrees with me. What, you know, I that's I think where a lot of the frustration comes from and it's just a, it's just it, it, as popular and as successful sport as the NFL. I just don't understand why we can't get this right. Well, I, I know mean, I'm preaching the choir, but what's the once the once the AI revolution is complete and <laughs> the humans no longer play football, I think we'll have AI referees and we'll be free of this controversy. That brings up yeah. a lot of Yeah, I'm sure. All right. I would like to thank you all. You gave me a ton of time on a busy holiday week. I just would like to share my appreciation to you all for giving me time each week to do this thing. It's fun. I like it. I hope all of you enjoy it just as much. I really appreciate it to all of our 60 listeners. Thank you for listening. You guys are awesome. We're we're at, yeah, yeah, we're there. Um, Thank you for listening. It's 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 a labor of love, and it's just honestly something we do for fun at this point. But like, it, it does mean a lot to anyone who listens. So thank you so much for that, everyone on this call and everyone listening. Please have a happy and safe holiday season. Hopefully, we'll all get together next week before the new year. Do a little more NFL after Christmas talk. And as soon as you know it, guys, we'll be we'll be talking about the playoffs here pretty soon. We're we're almost we're almost there. So until then, uh, we will see you all next time. Thanks again to our wonderful co-host and to you, the listener. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. We'll see you around. Peace out.